0: Morning on the topic that Jesus is still on the job. Now, I had trouble coming up with a, a title. And of course, after the many years of we've been preaching a uh, sermon, you don't want to have one that has the same title that you used before. So sometimes you have to be a little creative in coming up with a title so that when we put them on the website, everybody will know uh, it's a different message than the others. But it's going to cover a lot of things that we've covered and actually. Um, I got to thank Marcia for straightening Rob out on what he was supposed to teach in Sunday school, because uh, I'm going to dance around a whole lot of what they said in Sunday school. So God's been good to us, but if you'll turn to First John the second chapter, uh, well, we just have another word of prayer for the message. Thank you, Lord, again for the many times you've helped us in our preaching, in our teaching, how you move in the service, how you have your divine way and all we say and do. And this morning, we want you to touch us as your speaker, that we would bring forth the word in clarity where others will know how good a God you are. And with the subject of Jesus is still on the job, may he seem real to each of us today, that what he does in our hearts and minds would be clear, that we would be able to respect, if you would, the things he wants to do in our lives and give credence to it and put it to practice in our lives. So have your way in this service, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. John, 1 John, 2nd chapter, I just want to read a couple verses here. He says, My little children, these things I write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now when we read that scripture and take into account what the, the Holy Spirit has said to John in speaking out the, the things that he wants us to understand, he, this was written... Uh, quite a few years after Christ was here. So the church had already pretty much had its roots in the ground from the day of Pentecost till the day that John's writing this letter. Um, we've probably covered a 50 to 60 year range in there as to when this writing goes forth. And he lets us know right off the bat in this particular verse, the standard that God has for his people is that they sin not. Right? Amen. So he didn't save us so we could continue to sin, so we could continue to look like the world, so we could continue to do our crazy ways that we tried even before we met Christ. Because all of us know there's a difference in our lives from what we were before Christ and what we are after Christ has come to us and cleaned up our lives, if you would. So the standard for God's people, don't sin. Amen. Now, I realize there are a lot of people that want to argue that point right there. But we're just going to leave it just the way the Bible said it. Amen? The fact that we were created by God in the image of God, and it tells us that in the first chapter of Genesis. You don't have to go very far in reading your Bible to know God created us in His image. And His image is what He wants us to be. Amen? So let's... uh, uh, put together our minds and hearts and for our purpose in life we need to not only start looking like God once we've taken him in as our savior but continue to grow in the things that he wants us to be in so we not only need to start in his image we need to stay in his image and finish in his image and eventually have everlasting life throughout eternity in the image of God amen wouldn't that be neat That's the plan God gave us. But since the Garden of Eden, as most of us are aware, where sin has its uh, first episode, its first come on the scene in action in the lives of Adam and Eve, there's been an issue of sin for everyone that needs to deal with. This sin has been described in the Word of God as a mighty gulf between us and God, a great divide between us and God, and even a death between us and God. Now, that death doesn't mean you're gonna die. Of course, we all basically, according to the word, physically are gonna die, but that doesn't, that's not what it's referring to. It's referring to spiritual death because when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they didn't drop over dead and go get buried. No, they continued a full life ahead, even had children, and um, of course, everybody here is related to them because of that. Isn't that neat? Now, with Easter behind us, we've seen how Jesus Christ gave of himself on the cross for our benefit. Amen? And he opens the way of grace by that to whosoever will, and they can come and find forgiveness of sins. That's salvation 101. That's where it begins. When God's Holy Spirit convicts you of the things you're not doing that God's image would rather you be doing if you would, then he sends his Holy Spirit and tells you there's a better way, there's a better life, amen. I've heard a lot of Christians testify that I wish I had come to Christ sooner. Amen? I've never heard anybody say when they got saved, well, I wish I'd have waited another 25 years. No, we're not guaranteed another 25 years. But when someone gets saved and realizes how great a God uh, he really is and how he wants to lead us in the way that we should be going, we realize we should have done it earlier. I know that's my testimony. And I got saved when I was 25, and now I'm an old man. Amen? Amen? So we've got to go a long ways when it comes to being what God wants us to be. When we uh, stand back, if you would, and look at the entire view of the life of Christ, we see him as a teacher, as a prophet, as a priest, as a king. He has all these titles, if you would, wrapped in one package. He had a plate full of things he needed to take care of while he was on earth and while he was putting out the example that we should live and the scripture even goes so far to say we should be in his image. Amen. So here we go. Even his disciples recognized him in each of these areas. But the one they recognized the most being that they weren't really engulfed in the things that Christ wanted them to be engulfed in they recognized him mostly as a fleshly man a lot of things they didn't understand that he did Jesus told them a parable and they huh wonder what that means I know a sower throws seed on the ground it's going to grow and there's going to be a harvest we know that he wasn't even talking about growing corn or wheat or beans he was talking about sowing the word of God tells us that in the scripture in his parables he's teaching. He was talking to them in spiritual language and after he told them they scratched their heads and said, can you explain that again? I'll make sure I got that. Well, they didn't use those terms but that's exactly what the disciples went through as they walked with Jesus. So they saw him as a man and as far as being if you would, not as spiritual as they should have been or in the image of God, that's what they thought of him as, a fleshly man their fleshly thinking and sometimes as well as our fleshly thinking is what hinders us from moving in the right directions that god wants us to be moving it keeps us from being what god has called us to do in our walk before him in what we call our personal daily walk with god that's what salvation is to us it's a personal daily walk with god where you can convene with him, you can talk to him in prayer, you can read his word and understand what God wants us to be. Throughout history, God's had a deal with mankind to get them to see that sin is their biggest challenge and they have to overcome it if they're gonna make heaven their home eternally. I see it this way. I see heaven as one route for, or one path for us to take, or hell as another path. And whichever path you're on is determined by the choice you make when sin comes in your pathway. You need to either step around it and get back on the right path, or you'll follow the path of sin, and of course, you'll reap the eternity that it leads to there. So we need to make sure that we get where we should be in the timely fashion God wants us to be. We need to overcome some of the things that come our way, especially those that will lead us into sin. Amen? So the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. Well, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for dude. There was a time in my life when I realized I was at the, if you would, prefacence, at the cliff of a great divide between myself and my God. I needed to make a connection between the two, amen? I thank God that he revealed that to me so that I could have the right choices to make to get myself back in a right relationship with God, amen? So the power of the Holy Spirit was real and it was present when I heard the truth preached and conviction fell on my spirit and opened my eyes to the fact I was lost. Now, I knew where I was at. I knew my way home. A lot of times we think of being lost as uh, don't know which way to go next. But in this situation, I was lost spiritually. In other words, I didn't know my way to get back to God and I needed to do something about that, amen? So when I think of those things as being lost, I needed a way back. I've been deer hunting a time or two, amen? Went out in the woods when it was dark and in the woods I'd never been before with guys I'd never hunted before and the sun came up and I thought that way was east and the sun came up and it came up on the other side. So I was kind of thankful that I was smart enough to know where's the sun come up and I found my way out of there. Otherwise, you'd probably still be looking for me in a woods somewhere, and the deer would probably be sitting down beside me laughing at me. But here we go. I needed a way back to God, and Jesus was on the job that day. I'm kind of glad of that. And I prayed for forgiveness. And Jesus opened his arms of grace and mercy to me and accepted me as a brother. Isn't that great? Now, almost 46 years later, I know that uh, I need to stay in the way that Christ pointed me to go and that life I need to be in is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And I need to allow the life of Christ to reign in my spirit and sin is just a little word but it has many definitions and many different ways of exposing itself to each of us, but the result is always the same. It's just a little problem. You know, sometimes we think of truth as being white and error being black, and somewhere in between there's sin, and everybody gets confused in what they want to call the gray area. Well. And when it comes to the truth of God's word, he eliminates a lot of the gray area. He wants us to come and be what we need to be in the image of Christ. If you were uh, fully given over to the spirit of God, a lot of that gray area would disappear. Well, should I do this or should, you know, the gray area in your life is different than what I would have in my life. I don't question God too much on where he wants me to go. After 46 years, He's pretty well pointed the way, and a whole lot of those things that I wasn't sure about are now pretty clear. Amen? And some of the things that I thought I should give up, God said, ain't nothing wrong with that. And some of the things that I thought was okay, God said, no, get away from there. Amen? Now, as I look back, I can see if I'd have followed that path towards, if you would, the gray area, that would have been leading me to the darker side if you want to uh, visualize it in that way. But we need to make sure that when we do things, we're doing it to please God and give praise to Jesus because he's still on the job. In our text, we read it's to, that we're to sin not. That is the best course of life any of us can take. But the reality is The world has a drawing power The devil Has a tempting power That we must recognize We must resist We must refuse To allow that power To have influence in our lives Because if we don't They will drag us down And drag us away from Christ Now when he says unto, unto you That you sin not That's a standard but he goes on to say, and if, what's if mean? That's one of our study words. It means it's conditional. In other words, you have a choice. And if any man does sin or any man sin, what are we supposed to do? Give up? Give in to the devil? Are we supposed to turn around and go back? I hope not. Amen. We have an advocate with the Father. Who is that advocate? Well, it's Jesus Christ the righteous, the scripture says. In verse 2, he said he is the propitiation. Notice that word in the, and what it means is uh, in that text. Propitiation, you know what that means? He is the one that uh, atones for all the wrongs that we've done. It means to atone or to make things right. That's what a propitiation means. Now, if you notice there in that second verse, he said he is the propitiation. He's not one of the propitiations. He's not the one that you can choose from a list of. He is the. He's the only one. When it comes for you to find forgiveness of sins, You have to find it in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. When you recognize the only way to make things right is through repentance and confession, through Jesus Christ. Amen? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the only sinless person to ever live their life. And God accepted his sacrifice as the sinless, blameless Lamb of God for the, an offering of sacrifice for the whole world's sin. Jesus became our mediator. He became our redeemer. There are several different uh, titles that come along with what Jesus is doing while he's on the job. Here John calls him our advocate. Amen? Now why would we need somebody in that position? Because we weren't in good enough shape to have a relationship with God we needed someone to speak to God on our behalf amen alright let me say it this way he is actually our spokesperson before God and when you talk to God God kind of just turns to Jesus on his right hand there that's where he's at did you know that that's what the Bible says and he says Jesus now do you know that guy that's talking to me do you know that dude and Jesus looked back and said, Oh, yeah, he's all right. As a matter of fact, let me tell you what he's trying to say to you. He becomes, if you would, our interpreter. But if the conversation is when he turns and says, Hey, do you know him? Jesus said, No, I never had any conversation with him. I tried to talk to him before, and he wouldn't listen to me either. And God's going to have a different outcome for that person. Now I realize we're being kind of off key or sub, whatever you want to call it facetious about how that conversation would go and we can go directly to God the scripture tells us but we can't unless we go through Jesus Christ our savior amen God's not obligated to listen to you rattle on if all you've done is live a life contrary to what he wants you to be amen now that uh, that's my short way of saying uh, Jesus uh, will Uh, roll the things that he wants us to do for God and he sits on the right hand of God and he is our intercessor there. Amen? Let's look at it from an Old Testament perspective. When the children of Israel were being led through the wilderness, who was their so-called mediator? His name was Moses. When they had a problem, the people came to Moses what Moses do? Moses didn't solve their problem, if you would, right away. Moses said, I'll get back with you. I'm going to go talk with God. Amen? I'm going to go see what God has to say about this. Amen? And what God do, uh, told Moses, Moses went and told the people. And what the people told Moses, Moses went and told God. They, he was the mediator that took, if you would, all the complaints and all the... Um, Conversation and made a connection between God and the children of Israel. Amen? He was the advocate for them. Now, there was a time when the people weren't happy. I'll say it that way. Yeah, let's just say it like it is. They were complainers, unbelievers. They had all kinds of issues they had and a certain part of the trip through there, they started complaining about the food. Well, uh, they didn't realize that uh, every day, God served them, if you would, the smorgasbord, free of charge, enough to satisfy and plenty left over, if you would, to feed all those people in the wilderness. But They got tired of it, amen. I know you can't eat prime ribs six days a week or you'll get tired of it, amen? We have to be careful Uh, what our human appetite is sometimes when God is giving us an appetite that he feels we need to make things happen. So as punishment for their complaining, God sent snakes among them. They was big. I don't know about you, but anything over two inches to me is a big snake. Amen. If I can't outrun it, I don't want to be around it. Amen. Amen. So he sent snakes to them. And they were biting the people. And they were dying left and right, all over the place. Lots of them were dying all around. And it was because they complained about the food that God was giving them. Amen? So what'd they do? The Israel people, they cried out to God that they'd made a mistake. That didn't do any good. So they had to go through Moses. And Moses then went to God and said, God, you're killing all these people with these snakes. And he said, well, they deserve it because they complained. And, of course, Moses said, well, now you have to go killing them all. Then the Egyptians are going to say, aha, God took them out of there, but he wasn't strong enough to get them all the way to the promised land. You're going to have to be a little bit forgiving and ask to uh, allow those people to, a way to get away from all these snakes. So Moses went to God, spoke to him God said, I'll tell you what take a brazen rod and put a snake on it when you hold it up, anybody that gets bit by a snake and looks at that they'll live well it don't take long for the word to get around. If you get bit make sure you do this cause you're gonna live if you don't, you're gonna die how many times as God said to us, even in our spiritual life, don't look at that, you'll die. Or don't go there, you'll die. But look to me and I'll bring you past all those things that are trying to draw your attention in this world. So when Moses spoke to God, their relief appeared. Amen? Once Moses uh, had God's answer on the brazen rod, Then they looked to the brazen rod, and the snakes left them alone, amen. Hopefully, we can see Moses was a type of mediator, an advocate between God and them. Well, Jesus is the same for us today. Even Aaron, as the priest for the people, would go before God with their sacrifices and prayers for the people, And with those sacrifices, he would intercede for them because Aaron stood before God to represent them as the high priest in his day and time. Well, that is a good policy to have, if you would, for people that need someone to go to God for them. And as that priest, Aaron, if you would, uh, mediated the grace between them and God in the New Testament we have another mediator amen we still need such a high priest turn with me over to Hebrews fourth chapter Hebrews 4 verse 14 I'm going to read through the end of the chapter seeing then that we have a great high priest or he's speaking of Christ here This is in the New Testament. uh, But that's what Aaron was in the Old Testament. That's passed into heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But, on the other hand, that's a study word, was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ is the only one that that final statement can be made of, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Where is that throne of grace? It's on the right hand of the Father in heaven. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Amen. Isn't it great to say that we have a great high priest? Those people in the the wilderness under Moses and Aaron would have been trouble without the person acting as high priest and as, if you would, advocate or uh, mediator before them. Amen? But now we have one that's a great high priest. Aaron was a high priest, but not a great high priest. Now Jesus is still on the job. He wants our mediate. He wants to be our mediator between us and God, and for God to send the will of God through Him into our lives. The Holy Spirit will minister that. You need to know what God wants and expects of you, just as much as I need to know it for me. Jesus knows us better than Aaron knew us, and He knew. Us better than Aaron knew the children of Israel. But Aaron listened to the children of Israel's prayers and he passed them on through, uh, though they may not have been the issue in Aaron's life. You know what? I pray for people when they're sick. I, I enjoy doing that. Now, I don't pray for them because I'm sick. I'm praying it's because they're sick. Now, I know I don't want to put my level on the same as Jesus Christ as a mediator, but that's exactly what I'm doing when I pray for somebody that's sick. Amen. I'll do it God's way. I'll do it with the Bible. I'll anoint with oil, whatever the scriptures say, or whatever they like me to do. I am in a small, 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 minute way. I'm a mediator for them. Amen. Amen. Do you go to the person when you're really sick, you go to somebody you don't have any confidence in and say, would you mind praying for me? Not usually. Usually you're gonna to go to a person uh, that you have confidence in that can reach the throne of heaven and pass on their request to the one that can really work things out in your life, the great I am, the great healer. That's the one we need to mediate for. But Jesus as our great high priest can mediate from personal experience. That's something, ain't it? Now, all the things, all the prayers that Aaron said for the other people, he probably never even thought about some of the issues that they brought to him. He probably thought, what are those people thinking? Why in the world would they get themselves in such a mess? Why do they even go there knowing God's not there? And sometimes I think that as a pastor. Why do people even bring up some of the issues that no doubt God's not but I have to be patient and let God speak to them so what we can do is go through Jesus Christ because the scripture said he is our example he's the one that has lived this life and yet without sin he was tempted in all points as we are so everything we're going through Jesus Christ knows it Amen? He has that experience. He was tempted in all points. We know what all is, don't we? Amen? Now, Aaron had his set of problems, too. And so when he went before, the, before God, for the people, he had to consider his issues that he had. You know, he had two sons that were, well, they were terrible. As a matter of fact, they were so bad, God, done away with them. All right? And here that had to be, if you would, a burden for him. But our high priest is a high priest that has never sinned, yet he's been faced or tempted with all points like we are, and so he can boldly go before God and him and obtain the mercy and grace we need in a time of need. Personally, I prefer having a great high priest that can offer grace and help in a time of need that I have issues that I don't know what to do about. I would rather talk to my mediator that I have confidence in that's been there, done that, and knows what the end result needs to be. Amen? So the grace our mediator offers helps us to get past the temptations of sin that are then that's better than committing the sin. And then having to go through the repentance process again over and over and over and We talked about it in Sunday school, about the habitual habits of sin. Amen. And of course, in first John the third chapter, it says that he that committeth or keeps on committing sin. That's the one that has the issues that we need to get past um, and not just keep going back and back and back. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and if if this does, why, uh, you just chalk it up that dude don't know what he's talking about. But I think of sin in our spirit, in our soul, is kind of like a cancer. Now, I'm not, I don't want anybody that, that has cancer or knows somebody with cancer or anybody... I don't want you to think that I'm preaching against cancer or whatever, but no one chooses to have cancer. Has has anybody ever said, God, please send cancer to me? Any of you? Okay, I didn't think so. I did hope, hope I wasn't preaching out of turn. But those that do have cancer, our prayers go out to you because that's not something we want anyone to have. Amen. Nobody wants to have cancer in their flesh. But praise God... He can cure it. And we've seen those cures. And thank God for medical attention that we can get and the advances in medicine that can help us deal with cancer if we do contract it in our physical body. And it may be um, sometimes uh, the, uh, the fact that we had it and get cured from it might be something that's better than if we didn't have it at all. I don't know. I've never had it. And I'm praying I never do. And I pray for those of you that do have it, but I was just using this as an example. Now, I know that's really not a true analogy of what we're going on here, but no one chooses to have cancer, is my point. But if there's sin in your life, it's because you chose to have it. And yet it's as bad in your life as if you want to talk about cancer in your flesh, amen? But the grace of God that we have access to through our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, keeps our hearts and minds in line with the will of God and helps us through all the issues we do face in our journey as pilgrims in this world, amen? So don't ever forget, Jesus is still on the job. No matter what you're facing, No matter what you're going through, no matter how others have misled you, have misguided you, have turned your heart the wrong way, if you would, don't forget, Jesus is still on the job. He's still the author and finisher of our salvation. He is a present help in time of need, is what it says there in verse 16. He's up to date. Amen. Amen. Time has passed a lot of us by if you want to look at it in our physical bodies. We're not fast. We're not strong. We can't go like we used to go. Amen? Amen. We've all slowed down a little bit. All right. If you haven't slowed down, you should be in junior church instead of in here. But nonetheless, we all have faced problems. But we have someone that is a present help in time of need, amen? Let's turn back a page in our Hebrew book there, back to the first chapter of Hebrews. And God, who in sundry times and divers manners, in other words, in the old days, he did it one way, today he's gonna do it a different way. And, has, and spake in times past unto the fathers by, our, by the prophets, hath in these last days, and that's where we're living, we're living in the last days, Amen as he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things. You know, God let Jesus inherit it all. He owns the world. Did you know that? And you're part of it. Wow. So you belong to him. Isn't that great? Now, what if you mess up? Hmm. Well, we're going to find out by whom also he made the world, who being, in, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. When did he do that? On the cross of Calvary. Amen. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty of of God. He's on the right hand of God and he's still on the job 2,000 years later after he purged our sins and actually purged the sins of the whole world. Amen? So we need to accept the fact that he's our mediator. He shows us exactly what God was like. That was one of the purposes of him coming to earth as fleshly man, if you would, and being God in the flesh and God in the spirit. Our life will always be in a battle. We know that from a Galatians fifth chapter. There's the works of the flesh and there's the fruit of the spirit or the works of the spirit. We need to be proactive in the choices we make and follow our example, Jesus Christ, to live in the image of God as God intended us to be, amen? So remember, in 1 John, the second chapter, verse one, if we sin, did you catch that when I read that earlier? It didn't say when you sin, it said if you sin, amen. If it said when you sin, it meant you'd have no choice, you're going to. But if makes it conditional. So if you sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, and he's still on the job. He's still here to help us. He's still here to guide us. So don't give up. Don't go back. Don't stop. Don't turn around. Don't do anything that would take you farther from Christ and farther from God. But let's look to Jesus for the grace and mercy that he can deliver in times of trouble. Amen. That's what we need. Because he's our redeemer. When we had lost our way, redeemer means you take something that's lost its value and put value back in it. Amen. I used to be a a young boy, man. I could run up and down the old roads back in the counties where I live and people would drink Coca-Cola. I tell you, that stuff was so powerful. Now, i tell you, it made everybody so weak, my dad used to say, because they could take and carry a whole Coke and not have any problems and drink it. But once they drank it, they couldn't carry the empty bottle back and put it where it should be. They just threw it out the window, throwed it in the ditch or something. But those things were redeemable. I used to collect them, man. I'd get me a bag full, take them up to the IGA and get two cents a piece for them. Hey, Amen. I didn't even have to wash them out or nothing. They may have had mud in them, dirty as could be, and I wouldn't drink out of them for nothing. But I, they gave me two cents for them. As long as it wasn't cracked or the rim of the top of it where they put a cap on it wasn't broken, they would give me two cents for it. Isn't that cool? I could redeem them. And they didn't have any value when they were just laying in the ditch. But when I redeemed them, Coca-Cola took them back, washed them and refilled them and sold them again. So that God does us, if you would, the same way. We sometimes have lost our value, especially if we've come down from where God wants us to be in our walk with him. Amen? And Jesus says he can buy us back. He wants to redeem us and make us come back to where God wants us to be and give your life value again. Amen? He wants God to put you on display so that that value in you to whoever you witness to or wherever you go, whatever day of the week it is, whatever you're doing, God can show people what can happen to a life that's been redeemed back from the life of sin. Amen? The fact that Jesus is still on the job to help us deal with sin, no matter what stage it's in in our life, gives us the hope we need to stand and be faithful and true to the one that brings, uh, bridges the gaps of life that want to separate us from God. Sin is the great separator. But Jesus is the great unifier. He crosses all the gaps. He puts together all the ends that are separated. He's the one that can bring us back to where we need to be for him. Jesus not only is... Uh, a way to deal with sin. Jesus is the only way to to reconcile ourselves back to God. We need to make sure that we have a relationship with him. We need to make sure that God has, uh, if you would, put a stamp of approval on the way we walk because we want to walk in the image of Christ. Amen. So we need to get on the right path with God and by uh, and by the grace of God stay on that right path reach as many as we can with the testimony of righteousness and, we, and have uh, an understanding that Jesus is still on the job amen I find a lot of people that don't realize Jesus is still on the job he still wants to help people he still wants to speak to hearts. He still wants people to be drawn back to where God had created them in the image of God. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel really happy about being around a baby. You know why? Man, them kids, are as innocent as they can be. Now, they can be holy terrors, but they're still just as innocent as can be because they have no knowledge that they're not what God wants them to be. Now, that's our job. When something's hot, we got to tell them, hot, don't touch. When something's not good for them, we have to tell them, that's not good for you. Don't stick that wire in that electrical outlet. It'll make your hair curl. Don't do those things. That's our job. Well, Jesus is still on the job. And guess what he's going to tell you in your spirit? Don't chase after that. Don't go to those places. Don't look on all those things of the world. Don't allow the devil to drag you by the nose wherever he wants to take you you need to make sure that you're walking in the righteousness he wants you to walk in make sure your life is in line with the things that he wants you to line up with he wants you to be if you would one of his heirs now how did he become heir he became heir by being the sinless sacrifice that God asked him to be once he completed mission, God turned it all over to him. Amen? Guess what? When we get a right relationship with Christ, we become heirs to the family of God also. Amen? There's a lot of things that God can do for us as his children he couldn't do for us when we were sinners. Well, it really wasn't God's fault. It was our fault. We chose sin, and we liked the sin more than we liked If you would, walking in the righteousness that God had for us. Amen. So we need to make sure in our lives from this day forward that we make the choices based on what our mediator, our advocate, our redeemer would think would be best for our lives. He'll tell you. If you ask him, he'll let you know whether you should go there. Amen. If you don't know whether you should do this, that, or the other, ask him. He'll tell you. Amen. Amen. And he wants to see you healthy, wealthy, and wise, if you would, because he wants the best for you. You're his brother. Amen. I got two brothers. Amen. They're both as ornery as they could be when he was growing up. But I want the best for them. Amen. Both of them right now have physical issues. Of course, they're older brothers, so that just sets an example for what I got to look forward to. But I'm I'm in pretty good shape compared to them. But you know what? I want the best for my brothers. I want them to have, and if I could give it to them, I would. Amen? But I don't have that power, but Jesus does. And I'm going to trust him to give them what they need to guide their lives just as much as my brothers and sisters in here. I want the best for your lives. And the only way is to get the reconciliation from the one that's still on the job. He's the one that will guide you through Now if you don't remember anything I said over the last 25 years of preaching to you, remember this. Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.